Hi, and welcome to Math and Musings. I'm Mike O'Connell, creator of Math and Musings, and your host. Stay tuned for 15 minutes of science, politics, news, and opinion. In other words, Math and Musings. Today's date is Friday, February 24th, 2023. More on that later. This is Season 3, Episode 8. And before I get into anything, I should mention last week's episode, that is to say the number of the episode. I said it was, of course, Season 3, Episode 7. Here we are already on off topic, or maybe on topic, with numbers. And as I, I'll bring this down, so uh, I don't want to be interrupted by the saxophone coming in here. Always oh, when the sax is coming in, that's when I turn the music down. So anyway, I mentioned that it was Season 3, Episode 7, and I said something like, oh, those are the two best numbers of, of the top 10. You know, it's, most people's lucky number is either 3 or 7. And I said something to the effect of, oh, you know, if you've seen my top 10 list of the numbers 1 through 10, you know what I'm talking about. And then I realized, I, I don't know if I've ever put that on the blog. You know, 1,500 blog posts, I never actually had the numbers... 1 through 10, my my famous Mr. O'Connell's Can You Spot the Pattern in These Numbers to Begin Math Class. This is one of my favorites to do. If I'm ever stuck for a bell ringer question, I always put this one up there, and I, I put up the following numbers. I put up 7, 3, 5, 10, 8, 1, 9, 6, 4, 2. I display that on the screen and say, can you find the pattern in these numbers? And depending on how interested the kids are in math, I mean, it might take 45 minutes sometime of sitting there. Like, if I were the guy in the back of the class and I was, like, trying to figure out the puzzle, it's like, no, no, I'll, I'll get it. I'll get it. What was it? Summation factorial square root? What, what is it? What is it? I would sit there and try to figure it out. Most kids give up after a few minutes. I've got 12-year-olds. Anyway, it's, uh, it's the numbers 1 through 10 in order of how awesome they are. Those are the numbers. I'll say it again because now you know what the hook is. 7, 3, 5, those are the best numbers. 10, 8, 1, 9, 6, 4, 2. Now maybe I have talked about that on a previous podcast. I never had it on the blog though. So I think I referenced the blog. It wasn't actually on there until I stuck it on Wednesday so that it would be uh, there in, in perpetuity. So there it is, and it gave me an excuse to talk about that again. Now, speaking of numbers, as I said, more on that later, the famous phrase of politics after, or politics after dark, of math and musings, more on that later. And I said today was the February 24th, and it's 2023. So yesterday was 2 23 that's not that unusual. I mean, it comes up once a month. Every time it's the 23rd of the month, it's, well, it dates 23 and the year's 23. And I asked my students, you know, Bill Ringer question that day was, you know, who's your favorite 23? And, I mean, there, there's at least two really famous ones, arguably the two greatest basketball players of all time. It would be the greatest player of my youth, who I still think is the greatest player of all time. That would be Michael Jordan. And then... The, some say the greatest player now, uh, I'm, I'm biased because I grew up in the 80s and 90s, uh, some say LeBron James. 
the two guys from Space Jam, if that the Space Jams, uh, if that does anything for you. Now LeBron has also worn number six. I know when he went from Cleveland to Miami after the decision, um, I guess Miami had what is it? They had retired uh, twenty three. Uh, because for Jordan, or like Riley did out of respect, so uh, LeBron didn't wear 93, he went to six, and then he wore 23 for the Lakers for a while and then switched back to six. But now everybody's retired six uh, for Bill Russell. So uh, I don't know. The correct answer in this question is, and this will set up for today, full foreshadowing. The correct answer is Don Mattingly because that. That's why I loved 23 when I was a kid. Don Mattingly, my all-time favorite baseball player. I mentioned last week the thing about, like, uh, it's tough to, you know, when you're an adult, saying, like, well, who's your favorite player? I'm like, well, guys that are 20 years younger than I am, it's a little embarrassing to say that I look up to somebody who's, you know, could be my kid. But Mattingly, I was the kid when he was the grown-up. So Mattingly was my favorite player when I was uh, a youth, and I, I still call him my favorite player of all time. This week, it was going to be a grind. There was no obvious topic, right? I was going to wait to the last minute and just grind one out. Like when you're playing playing baseball, maybe, like you're pitching, you, you don't have your stuff, you just do your best. You're like, you're, you're playing golf, you, you don't have your, your good game today, you just you grind it out. It went from being that to one discovery has made this episode jam-packed. This will be a multi-episode series here. Uh, crossing over into March. This is, by the way, the last show of February. February, I've, I know I've mentioned this before. This has had to appear on the blog. It's, it's, it's the worst month, but it's the shortest. So it kind of works out there. This one's going to extend into March. Jam-packed, as I say. I was doing some President's Day spring cleaning over the weekend. I'm putting spring in the air quotes because it was like 60 degrees here in the Washington, D.C. area. It's kind of like some spring cleaning, cleaning out a closet, and I stumbled. Like what I was looking for is, is lost to history. But the thing that I actually found, and then I spent several hours leafing through these things and, and thinking about them, thinking, oh, this is a podcast this week. Found some gems in the closet. A few things that I have mentioned in at least an oblique way before, and one of uh, I guess, you know, famously, you know, it took up the whole episode. I mentioned when I took my own child to a Major League Baseball game, his first Major League Baseball game, I recounted the story of my first Major League Baseball game. But I didn't mention, because I had forgotten, that I still had the program. And I'm looking at this program right now. It's of all people, Dave Rigetti on the cover. Dave Rigetti, who ruined my beautiful afternoon at the ballpark that day. It was August 25th, 1990. My first time seeing a Major League Baseball game, as I say, ruined by Dave Rigetti. And uh, a, ruined a beautiful pitching performance of one Dave LaPointe, who went eight innings giving up only one run. Yankees were up 2-1 to one going to the ninth inning. Rigetti comes in to get the save, gives up four runs, including famously a three-run home run to Greg Brock. Yeah, power hitter Greg Brock, who probably hit about six home runs in his whole career. One of them had to be the day that I was there. And 
I know this because I looked it up on Baseball Reference. I also have, this, this is amazing. I had, I'm leafing through as I know, I'm doing like the Rush Limbaugh fumbling papers here. Leafing through, I've got my grandfather's handwriting. My grandfather's been gone for almost 20 years. I have his handwriting. He kept score. He kept score in the game. And like the names, Paul Monitor, Monitor, Paul Molitor, Gary Sheffield, Dave Parker, more on that later, Robin Yao, Rob Deere, Greg Brock. Unbelievable. And then Yankees, Roberto Kelly, who led off the game with a home run. Uh, Kevin Moss was filling in for uh, Don Mattingly that day. He was out. Seabell Boney pinch hit for him later in the game. Uh, Steve Sachs, one of my favorite players, the aforementioned Dave LaPointe. Dave Rigetti, Lee Guterman, who, uh, more on him later, uh, finished out the game. And I have the not only the program, I have the box score from the paper the next day, a little summary about the game, and I think I talked about this last time, like, how did I even get the tickets? I have my ticket stubs. Like, the part that they didn't rip off, I had it. I can tell you where I was sitting. This was at Old Yankee Stadium. Box 483. Row A, I have seats one and two. Maybe I talk Grandpa into give me his stub also. They went in the book. And yeah, darn if I don't have the whole game written out. I mean, you can see these things on baseball reference now, but I got the whole game and his journalistic score. Uh, broadcaster for the Binghamton Triplets and news writer for the Binghamton Press, late 40s, early 50s. That would be Robert E. Gallagher. Taught me everything I know about the game and, and how to keep score. The uh, oh, Loge box, section 21. Anyway, the, the ticket price. Now, this doesn't mean anything now because it's a different park. Like, you couldn't find this seat. I was going to see, like, well, what does that seat cost you now? Well, different stadium, so it doesn't matter. But this one, which was a dang good seat that day. I remember, like, front row of, like, the second tier. 12 bucks. 12 bucks. <laughs> so I'm going through the this the Yankees program from 1990. And then underneath, I pick it up. I've got the game from 1991. This was the one I went to first time going with my dad. And like, when you grow up in upstate New York, like it's where we did, it's like once a year, one game a year, you make the pilgrimage down to the city and or the Bronx, I should say, and you see you see a game. So this one was. Another uh, Sunday afternoon, July 28th, 1991, Yankees playing the California Angels. I looked this one up on Baseball Reference 2, and then I found, tucked in there, the, the uh, ticket stub and the box score from that day, too. And it's just amazing to see. Jim Abbott pitched a great game for the Angels. He was pitching for the Angels that day. Uh, Dave Winfield played a great game. He was two for four. Playing for the Angels. <laughs> Louis Soho was, was two for three. Yeah, light hitting Louis Soho. Two for three and three RBIs for the Angels <laughs> as the Angels beat the Yankees that day. It was like, it was so long in, in my sports life before I ever saw a win. I'll be detailing some of these things. Oh, because I got more programs, by the way. The Yankees ones weren't the only programs that I found uh, from that era. Scott Kamenicki started the game for the Yankees. Eric Plunk came in to relieve him, and then, of all people, Lee Guterman, finishing out the game again. And then I mentioned Dave Parker earlier. Uh, Dave was playing for the Angels. This was his final season, like one of his final games. 
And like the name Dave Parker didn't do for me back then what it does now. I mean, he was 40. So he's obviously past his prime. This is the guy who was the MVP in, in 1978. Won a ring with the Pirates the following year and then won a ring with the A's 10 years later. Dave Parker was, I saw him play for the Brewers one year and then the next year, there he is again playing for the California Angels. My childhood hero, Don Mattingly, did play in this game. So I did see Mattingly play this game. He was two for four. Uh, Bernie Williams batting leadoff. I think this this must have been his first year. This is 91. The top three hitters are three of my favorite players of all times. Bernie Williams, Steve Sachs, Don Mattingly. Boom. I mean, Mel Hall was batting cleanup. And Jesse Barfield was batting fourth. Uh, like... That's a uh, that's a that's a power hitting uh, lineup at the at the top of your uh, top of your lineup there. Um, yeah, no, I'll leave the mistakes in. I'm already 13 minutes in. We're leaving that in. Randy Velarde played Hensley, Mullins, Matt Noakes, Alvaro Espinosa, Pat Kelly, Kevin Moss. Wow, um, it, it, like that. That's just my my whole youth, right there. Um, oh, by the way, Steve Sachs playing second, batting second. I used to love the, the rhythm of that uh, when I was a kid. Yeah, Bernie leadoff, and then Mattingly hitting in his traditional third spot. If Mattingly played today, he would probably be batting second. I love that, like, the geeks won out on that one. Um, that uh, based on the math of how this works out, like, you want the best hitter in your lineup hitting second. It, it's embarrassing to think, like, they used to have I don't know, Ruth used to hit third and Gehrig used to hit fourth, and like in Murderer's Row. And like DiMaggio used to hit fifth in the Yankees lineup. That's, that's so embarrassing. And he'd lose so many at bats that way. Like that should be easy to spot. Like you definitely get more at bats if you bat earlier in the lineup. That's why the Yankees at the end of last year had Aaron Judge batting leadoff just to get him more at bats. Now, speaking of Joe D, he's on the cover of this Yankees program from 1991. Why? Well, 50th anniversary of the streak. That was 1941, his 56-game hitting streak. They were celebrating the 50th anniversary that year. And um, another loss for me that day, I had uh, written down the attendance, and I kept score that day. There were 36,303 people at the stadium that day, and yeah, little Mikey O'Connell keeping score that day, my all-caps writing... Uh, I used at the time, the Robert E. Gallagher School of Scorekeeping. I got a few other programs that I uh, discovered in my closet. Well, you'll have to tune in in the following weeks if you want to hear about those. I, and if you want to hear more of math and musings, well, you, in the interim, you can go to mikeoconnelljr.com. <laughs>